45 years ago today, this man, Elvis Presley, died while taking a shit at home in Graceland. Just three years old, three days ago today, these men, Manchester United, died while taking a shit away from home in Brentford. What do they have in common? We don't give a shit about either of them at the Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Hello and welcome to this week's fantasy football update with uh, Jared, Andy, and their guests, Owen and Magic Mike. <laughs> Mikey. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, is fantasy football to me what, or to you, what WWE is to me? Because if that's the case... Yeah. I got about nine hours of banked fantasy football chat. And I think Jared and I were going to do a, a pod, weekly pod, about just what t- what players from Spurs we picked up on our fantasy football team. If, if, you, if you had to make me decide between never talking about WWE again or talking about fantasy Premier League, it, I, it would be easy. If um, I had said to you, you can never mention living in London in 1989 or that you're Jewish – would you take either of those if you had to have a fantasy football team? God, that's like Sophie's Choice right there. I don't I know, know that I can win that. You're like, just take Jake. Those are the, those are the two tenets of my entire personality that I, I – you're, you're, you're turning me into absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, but you're back again. Owen, good to see you again. Nah, fuck you, bro. This is, this yeah. isn't good. No, no. Yeah, you... like, Owen, as we're coming in, is like talking about how much he loves Elvis, and then you just shit on Elvis. Yeah, it's like literally, I pull literally pulled up my YouTube. Look, proof. I am an absolute Elvis fanatic. To have been since I was a kid. Um, and on the day of the man's anniversary, you shit all over the king of rap. Look, he's the one that did it. I mean, I, I I don't know. I never I never quite understood it. Um, <laughs> you know. I, oh, and I, did you see I, the movie? Yeah, yeah. It's it. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little I mean, strange. I'm not, like a, I'm not like a massive Elvis fan. It was a depressing movie, but like it was, I think it was a great movie, and the the kid who acted as him was fucking insane. It's probably not the most. I, I mean, the whole thing is like, what what is so good about? I mean, that's all it was. Nailed it. That's yeah, actually. I mean, I mean you know, and by the end, he looked like this too. I mean, it wasn't even like. 
Go on, salt the man. Jesus. I don't know. Man. <laughs> He's, All right. Uh, well, it, it's it's forty five. He, he only lived to be forty two. Now he's forty five. So I mean, can we can we finally stop talking about him? This was, this is the end of it. And um, and Jared, our driver for this evening, has come to pick us up. <laughs> this, this is can I can I address something here because this is what I was going to say when Mike originally asked me about the uh, or Andy originally asked me about the movie. And I know this maybe isn't the um most entertaining thing for people who aren't fans of the movie. Will you stop changing that comment, please? Uh, Danny says I watched 25 minutes of it, and it's a load of bollocks, and I thought the same over the first 45 minutes, but it's the dude who directs it, Baz Luhrmann, directed Moulin Rouge, I think, as well, and his style's a little fucked up, but definitely it's it's really good, sort of from the 45-minute yeah, mark onwards, isn't it? Dan, I, like, I've known Danny long enough, and I've seen his tweets. Like He's the guy who sits in like the Avengers... And then just turns around and goes, "Yeah, that wouldn't happen." You know, <laughs> like, you know, Thor with his hammer striking someone with lightning. You know, like he's that guy. So that wasn't realistic at all. No, no, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I didn't, well, you, I, I didn't take any of you for Elvis stands. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an Elvis stand. I enjoyed the movie. I think his his music, like he's got some good music, but you know, there's more to him than just dying on a toilet, mic. That's right. You know what? As the only member of this podcast, I'm pretty sure that's taken the visit and done the tour at Graceland. I think I'm going to have to take over and get this thing back on some sort of track. So at least Matt and Arsenal in the next 90 minutes. I, the only reason I don't do that tour, Jared, is because, I mean, I know if I went to the portion of Graceland where they have the toilet he would die. Uh, that he died on, it would just bring back bad memories for me. And uh, and I don't want yeah, that. For the so, toilet. I mean, that, that that's probably why I have such a, such a antipathy against Elvis is because I know that's how I'm going to go. And and I just don't don't want to be like surrounded and bask in that whole that whole you know situation. So, the fuck. I mean, he was at least a world superstar who died on the toilet. You'll be a guy named Mike who died on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, welcome to the real Gooner's Pod, where we're going to talk about Arsenal Football Club for just a couple of minutes, at least, in the middle of all this. And since Mike is raring to go. We're coming off a 4-2 win over Leicester, a really impressive win, two good comeback goals after we conceded, and we're tied for top of the league. What's your confidence level like right now? It's got to be a pretty pretty good level after only two games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, if if yeah, if you're asking me, I, I'm confident AF at this point. I mean, the 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 one thing that you have to be concerned about are some of the mental errors, but. Like I was telling somebody in a chat earlier this week, I mean, we're at the point where we're learning while winning, uh, you know, so far this season. I mean, we could come out and, and you know, pull an Elvis in the next couple of games. But, but you know, we, uh, we're, we're making mistakes and immediately, at least in the last game, immediately making up for them. I mean, that, that will boost your confidence to, to the hilt when you say, all right, we got you. We got you, Saliba. We got you. Ramsdale, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, we're, we're, you know, we're, they're playing for each other. I mean, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to go down and score another goal in a minute and 43 seconds twice, but it, you know, that, that was a bit of luck combined with certainly not hanging your head and dipping your head, but you know, a non-confident team when you're up two nil and you're suddenly up two one, you get tight, you clench a little bit, and they certainly didn't do that. And that's a tremendous amount of growth from the season before and the season before that. 
Yeah, it really is. We had so many games where if we, you know, for example, fell behind one nothing, you saw the level of the team drop. Now, we have fallen behind this year so far, and hopefully we won't find out for a while. But it does show a little bit of character to bounce back quickly, you know, after those two two moments where we conceded. Andy, he mentioned the Saliba one specifically, where it was just a little bit of a miscommunication, I think, between him and Ramsdale. But the fan base, it seemed like in stadium and, you know, online where we're all watching the comments, were pretty well behind Saliba after a, a pretty bad error, much more so than we've seen in the past with some other players we have in those positions. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised by that? Or do you think it's just a general liking of Saliba by the fan base that they're going to accept a lot more or give him a little bit more slack than they would some of the other players that maybe weren't as popular? Yeah, I think he gets a little bit more leeway uh, just because of all the uh, supposed drama that Mikel Oteta has put Saliba through over the last couple of years by forcing him out of our club to go on loan when clearly he didn't want to do it. Um, and, and so it's, it's probably a... <laughs> God, I fucking hate our fan base. No, I think that one of the exciting things about Arsenal right now is just the positivity. And I think any player could have done that and there would have been a lot of positive, you know, uh, uh, in that that specific player's direction. You know, you're even seeing the the stadium get up and like give Xhaka standing ovations. Like I think it all around is just a really positive vibe. He's a young player. We're really excited about him. Um, you know, he looks phenomenal, but let's be honest, you know, he Vardy never ran at him. Uh, he wasn't really troubled that much in, in the first opening match. I'm interested to see how well he plays against your Salas of the world and your Holland and, you know, all those uh, other players that I could name off and put an S at the end to piss off Mike. Um, and then say of the world and then piss yeah. me off. But no, I mean, I just think it's the positive atmosphere for Arsenal right now at the ground that's giving it all the players leeway. I I would tend to agree. And, you know, I'm positive in general, but it's, it's hard not to be when, you know, two games in, there's only two teams with two wins. So it's nice to be in that group, even though it's a small sample size, especially when our next two games coming up are Bournemouth and Fulham Two that, you know, if you're a serious team wanting to compete for top four should be wins. So, you know, you've got about as good of a start in the premier league as you could ever hope for. Um, Owen, we'll jump over to you. We talked a little bit about Saliba already with those two. Is there anybody in the first two wins that kind of sticks out in your mind as kind of the top performer or someone that you're excited to see continue on the trends are already setting early in the year? Well, look, there's the the obvious names that come to mind straight away that I think everybody could could mention. You know, Gabriel Jesus, um, William Saliba, uh, Sinchenko as well, I think has had quite a decent start to his Arsenal career. But Somebody that I would maybe throw up above them above them all as the player that's standing out to me at the minute is is Gabriel Martinelli because <clears throat> look, since the start of his Arsenal career, basically we've all seen the talent, the raw ability that this kid has, but it's just putting numbers behind that ability now that was the most important thing. Um and you know, two two goals in, in two two games is is definitely the, the right way to start making an active effort to to change that. Um I think the brilliant thing for me, though, is that I'm looking at is that when you looked at Bakay Osaka or Amita Smith-Rowe parts of last season and the season before, is that there was so much weight put on one individual player consistently for Arsenal to get those goals, to get that output. But the difference is now is, for example, I think that Bakay Osaka has had a quiet start to the season. I wouldn't say a bad start, but <clears throat> by his standards, he's been relatively quiet. But that's the difference with this Arsenal front line now is that one guy can be off 
off pace and and the other two will pick up the slack no problem because it's very 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 rare that you ever get three forwards in complete scoring form you know even you look at the likes of Liverpool with uh, you know when they had Mane, Firmino and Salah it wasn't often that those three were banging in goals all at the same time you know it was normally one was hitting the heights and then they would dip off and another one would step up so for me it was vital <clears throat> not only that Gabriel Jesus hit the ground running this season but that Gabriel Martinelli could start to statistically put in some um you know some share and, and take a little weight off Kyle Saka as well I'm kind of with you there. I think the past year and a half, we've all said Martinelli's extraordinarily talented and we see all the upside and it's always been, but he needs to add the goals. And now we've already seen him kick off the season that way. So hopefully that trend kind of continues. But as far as top performers, it's interesting this year. And again, you know, it's two games is what it is, but that's all we've got to to look at. And we'll go around the horn with this one. You mentioned Martinelli. There's a lot of guys in the squad that I think if you ask 10 different Arsenal fans, you know, who's the top performer the first couple of games, you know, it's a pleasant surprise that you're going to get a kind of a wide variety of answers. So Mike, I'll come over to you. Why is yours granite Xhaka as it always is? You know, I, I if, if you happen to stop by the, uh, the, the open mic post game show, I, I went, I went with the full Xhaka, you know, the, the Xhaka kit with the name facing forward. Because uh, I thought he was co-man of the match, maybe uh, you know a nine out of ten. Uh, and I, he's certainly been valuable. I mean, I don't think that you can say anybody other than Martinelli or Gabi Jesus as far as the absolute best performers. But then you've also got Zinchenko, who's who I mm-hmm. think is possibly the reason, or or among the reasons that Granit Xhaka is playing the way he is. I mean, there's just so many dominoes right now where you can't just say this one player is playing better, and as a result, we're seeing different looks and different outcomes. It's literally the, the chemistry and the and the understanding between these different players to where, you, you know, Granit Xhaka isn't having to get caught back by himself uh, and kicking dudes in the chest and then arguing about it with his teammates in the locker room in front of cameras. Um, you know, we don't have to, he has not been put in that position. And therefore, I mean, he had almost no defensive responsibilities in this game. And it wasn't just because he decided he wasn't going to play defense. It was because he didn't need to. And yeah. and we saw a different great Jaka than we're used to seeing, you know, heading balls into the post from the near, you know, almost latching onto the end of, uh, of Saka's cross for a goal. Um, being in the box when it mattered to, to get a rebound or a, a, you know, a touch from, from Jesus off of a goalkeeping mistake. I mean, all of a sudden people are just ending up in these positions that we used to just have nobody in. And, and I don't know that it's any one person's fault. Uh, and by fault, I mean, it's a credit to any just one person. Uh, but if you had to name the person who was the catalyst for all that, I would certainly say Gabby Jesus. It's hard to not say Jesus just because of the goal contributions and then just the obvious impact he has. And I think a big part of that, too, is we were so deficient in that area last year and pretty much everything we were lacking is it seems to be a strength of his game. So it really kind of shines and kind of shows, you know, what what he's going to bring to the team and what he's already brought to the team. Andy, we'll jump over to you quickly. We've already heard shouts for just about everybody. Was there anybody outside of who Mike already went over that you thought kind of deserved a shout in this area? No, I think Mike hit them all pretty, pretty firmly. I just, 
I think Xhaka has a team around him that gives him a little bit more freedom and he doesn't have to have the defensive mind, very similar to Switzerland. And when you don't have a Xhaka with a defensive mind, you pretty much have a good Xhaka, right? And a liable, like not a liability. You know, I think he pointed out pretty fairly and openly admitted, like, if you leave me back, shit's going to go down. <laughs> you know, he like, he knows that's going to happen. So. Like, I'll do it, but don't <laughs> yeah. expect it to be good. And like, so, and you know, for him to be the best player he can be, he's got a defensive midfielder and three center backs behind him. And that's, that should be, and Zinchenko. But yeah. I think, so, can I just jump in there uh, in regards to the Jacka stuff is that <clears throat> it isn't only, um, you know, having defenders behind Jacka. It's uh, as, as Mike sort of lightly touched on, it's the introduction of Zinchenko into this here. Not only is he a, uh, technically you know fantastic and technically sound to be able to take the ball and pass it out um from that deep land left back position whereas at times i think that that was the sort of rock and a hard place that Mikel arteta found himself with because whilst kieran tierney is a very very good left back and arguably my favorite player at the club i'm not sure he's got the passing range to be able to advance player from that position and that was obviously um something that Mikel arteta heavily relied on for his system to work so when we talk about you know that the fact that he's getting more forward and the fact that he um that that he's given this new position i think uh, uh, as the boys had sort of lightly touched on is the fact that um alexander zinchenko has the ability and not only the ability the experience granite jacket for me seems like somebody who's uh, you know somewhat of a control freak potentially and maybe he wants to be the main man all the time and for ha- having somebody to come from a Pep Guardiola team a title winning team somebody that's performed at the highest level for a number of years the fact that he can now roam forward and think do you want to know what I don't have to be the man to sit there and do that somebody else can handle that job and and that could be massively beneficial to Arsenal because I'm sure we'll talk about possible incomings at some stage but It'll be very, very, very difficult to find anybody at the minute to replace Granit Xhaka in that side with the form that he's shown. I'm, you know, and my, my only thing would be depth and, and the number of games that we have to play. Xhaka's not going to play, you know, 180 minutes every single week. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily want him to. Um, that's when the mistakes come in, where the where the fatigue, maybe even injury. So, you know, bringing somebody in would be really more that, you know, saying we're not so much looking for Lakanga and Olneni to be our midfield two for for all of our B games if we want to call them that. But um, so I'm I'm still for that. But I mean, how many times did we see Zinchenko in the center of the field? Uh, I mean, not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, it was striking to me, and I don't normally pick up on stuff like this. But I mean, he looked like a fourth midfielder at times, and you know, maybe against a Leicester City, you can do that. Uh, if you have three quality center backs that are playing the two center back in the right back position, I don't know that we see that as often, you know, with teams that are maybe a little bit more attacking down that particular side, but it's a nice luxury to have a guy who's comfortable, you know, doing that. You don't necessarily see that as much with Ben White on the opposite side coming into the center midfield, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it it feels a little bit asymmetrical and, and you saw us attack a lot more down the left side. The one thing I'll add on Jaka that surprised me a little bit since he's been moved into that kind of left-sided eight role where he has a lot more mobility to go forward, he seems to read the game incredibly well and run himself into a lot of dangerous areas. I think, you know, finishing is not a strength of his game because it's never really been his role. 
but he gets into so many dangerous areas. You feel like if he had the finishing of one of our attacking players, it would just go off and he would look like one of the absolute stars. That being said, before we get to incomings, we'll talk about somebody who's already come in we haven't seen yet. It'll be interesting to see the first game Granite Xhaka doesn't play. As Owen said, we've got a top-class left back in Tierney. Do you see Zinchenko moving into the midfield to cover Xhaka's spot? Or do you think it's going to be looked at as that's where Pablo Vieira is going to fit in? Because we've also got another player there, and right now, a little bit of uncertainty on where he's going to play. So when he goes out, Andy, we'll send it over to you. When Xhaka's out, how do you think we fill that role, at least the first time? What do you think Arteta has in his head for that spot? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables, right? Like you said, I mean, if Jacques is out and party or sorry, Tierney's healthy, then I could see Zinchenko going in there. Let's assume we don't bring in anyone else. I think El Nini has done enough to prove that he can play in that position. However, if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, you want someone who's a little bit more forward thinking, attacking sense. Shit, I would even put like a Smith Rowe in there maybe, or you could put uh, Samby in there if he doesn't get loaned out. Um, Maitland Niles might be able to play in there if he doesn't get moved on. So I think we've got a lot of different options, but I, th- I see Alneni as more of that Partey replacement, right? Because he's just a little bit more defensively like minded. Um, I totally could see Zinchenko in there as well. I mean, the great thing is, and we haven't, done this for the last 10 15 seasons we have like six or seven players that are quality and depth that we can rotate into various positions and not look at the team sheet and go oh shit like we did when like you know we'd see the team sheet come out and Jaka was playing left back and no credit like no fault to Jaka. like he's probably the one guy who stepped up and said i'll do it reluctantly you know, and he probably also yelled at Arteta saying, but if you put me back there, <laughs> I will probably get a red card, you know, um, so it's exciting. It, it really is. It seems like we've got so much depth in areas. And I know a couple people in the chat have pointed out, you know, Sambi Lakanga, that, that left side eight role could be where he fits in. And I think all it tells me is, like you said, we're going to see a lot of rotation as we have games come through. We've got Vieira, we've got Lakanga, Zinchenko can play that spot. So it's an area that we've, we've got some options. Bef- before we jump to maybe specific incoming players or who you want to see, Mike, there's been a lot of people who say, what's the bigger need? A midfield player, potentially more of a defensive midfielder like a six, or a wide player. Where do you fall on that? Do you think there's a need for one over the other? Or what sticks out in your mind is the bigger area of need for this squad you've seen so far? I think I'm starting to evolve from one position to the other. I mean, you know, the most important position on the pitch is reverse cowgirl. Mm. But after that position, um, you know, I think our midfielders that we have will look much better when we have the kind of pressing and, and, and I mean, the possession that we're having from our front line. I mean, it's, it, it it's all kind of related to each other. It's not like I, I used to feel like our midfield was so poor that we just couldn't connect a good back four to a, to a good front three. And despite the skill on the team, we were not scoring like we could have. And that was kind of the story of last season. And I think by what we've done is instead of, instead of improving our scoring and our potential and our potency by improving our midfield, we've improved it by improving the front line, which has allowed our midfield to be, you know, to, to actually play their 
capabilities better. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, to the number of games we're going to be playing, I mean, if we, again, if this were last season and we had this kind of, uh, this kind of squad and starting players and once a week type of game, you'd see so many unchanged lineups. I mean, the only thing that would change this starting lineup that we have right now would be injury, not Mm -hmm. rotation, not anything else. And we, and we'd be flying through the season as it is now, we're going to have potentially an extra, you know, 12 to 20 games to play and we're going to need those guys. So, I mean, I, I can, assuming Reese Nelson and Pepe are not remotely in the plans for this season, and it doesn't seem like either one of them are, I think a, a starting ready Premier League ready wide player or a guy like Cody Gapko who seems to, to have all the tools to become that and can also play the nine would be the bigger thing right now. And, you know, all of a sudden we're feeling kind of okay at the eight. And it isn't just because Jacques is playing better and who would start over him because I, I think we need a second player in that position. But that could be Lakanga. It could be uh, – Smith Rowe, like Andy said, it could be Odegaard at times because we have such a potent front three and and depth in that area as well. So, um, you know, if we have to choose one at this point, I would go I would go with a wide player now rather than rather than a, a, a second eight. And if I went midfield, it would almost, it would be almost a second six, not a second eight. See, see, that's the part where you and I agree. And I've I've been on this team the whole summer. As much as I'd like a wide player, I look that is kind of the icing on the cake of the attack. Looking at last year when Party went out, how much the team dropped off, that's been the top of my list all summer is I want somebody to deputize Party that can come in and play that spot because without that, I'm not sure any of our other midfielders are good enough to play the lone six in our system. I think you may end up seeing it switch back to a double pivot in the event he gets hurt or is out, which we have the players to accommodate that. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. but but There'll be a a trickle-down effect on everybody kind of having to supplement their – six ability because we don't have one guy that can just play it out and lights out. That's exactly it. And there's not a ton of guys out there that can play that position the way Thomas party does. Like he's an exceptional talent. I know he's the first couple of games. He hasn't looked like the outstanding performer, but over the course of a season, he's the guy that's kind of the steadfast and the rock and what makes the team go and makes us be able to play the way we play in a lot of ways. I think the, the other player you mentioned there was Reese Nelson. He's, I thought maybe had an outside chance of, of just falling into the squad this year if Pepe leaves and then we're kind of stuck with them, but he's just taken on an injury. I think he's going to be out for a little bit of a time. So it kind of eliminates a chance of him going on loan and also kind of puts us in a spot. Uh, the window's winding down. Owen, do you see Pepe getting another go here just kind of by default because we're unable to move him? Or do you still think we're going to see a move out for him and then potentially an incoming since we'll be without both him and Nelson for at least a foreseeable future? Yeah, well, Look, obviously, there's rumours starting to creep up. I'm not sure how um, much truth there is to them about a potential loan move to Nice for for Nicola Pepe. And I think probably for all parties involved at this stage, it's it's best that he is moved on. But what I would say is that I would tend to disagree with Mike in terms of um, where the priority lies if there's one <laughs> if there's one remaining income. Um, because I think as Arsenal fans, we, we, we get sucked into this so much, you know, and we do this with players like Pepe and Reese Nelson all the time. And it's that when when things start going well, you know, when Granite Jacker starts performing to the level he's performing at, everybody's views change very, very, very quickly after a couple of good results. And 
I've learned through many years of hurt that probably the best thing to do is when you're thinking like that is revert back to what you thought of, uh, what you thought about at the start of the transfer window, not now. Think of what was the priorities then and not now because we get sucked in and rightfully so, you know, about uh, with this optimism of positive results and positive energy. But as people mentioned in the chat, all it takes is Grandma Jacket to put in one bad performance, one red card, you know, uh, and, and things start to unravel very quickly again. So, I'm going to withdraw the, the, the rude gesture I made for you because I actually agree with you on that. You trust your first instinct sometimes and don't overreact. To, yeah. That, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I agree with you, but, I, but I'm, I'm revoking the, uh, the bird that I flipped you. <laughs> That's okay, folks. I started the podcast telling you to go fuck yourself, so we're all square. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it, but, but look, it's, I think one other thing that we're doing as well is that, yes, we do have depth in midfield but it's a quality issue it isn't a depth issue you know you can have as many bodies as you want but if they're not going to replace with a similar level of quality um then then that's a big issue whereas i think in the wings the people are overlooking our potential depth in those areas you know that while it isn't necessarily ideal you have uh gabriel martinelli who can i'm pretty sure do a job on both sides you've Bukayo, Kyle Saka can do a job both sides. You've got Gabriel Jesus that can play basically anywhere along that front line. You've got a Smith role. Fabio Vieira has played out wide as well. So I actually think we've got more quality quality depth in the wide areas than we do quality depth in midfield. Because for me, if there's an injury to Granit Xhaka, say for example, um, at the same time that Kieran Tierney's injured, we're screwed. <laughs> you know, essentially we're screwed in that position. Sammy Lakonga for me isn't ready. Mohamed Elneny isn't progressive enough to play that position the way that Granit Xhaka does. Um, so for me, taking in depth, quality depth in that position is vital if we're going to go for um, anything big this year. Because when you look at a lot of the games as well, that we will be fielding players like I've just mentioned, second string players. It's going to be Europa League games, which of the majority Arsenal should be going into them heavy, heavy favourites anyway. So look, I'm going to revert back to my instinct. The deal for Yuri Telemans is there to be done. It's a very seemingly very simple deal to be done. Um, I myself don't really know what the holdup is. Uh, that's one I would like to see us get done before the end of the window, but I'm just not quite sure how how I, um, realistic that is at this stage. I think we're just li- literally playing from a position of strength for once in a transfer thing where 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 he's just kind of I wouldn't say he's downing tools there, but like they know they're not going to. You know, when Ramsey said, okay, well, I'm not re-signing a contract because I guess it was withdrawn from him or whatever that was, he continued to play for us that year and actually put in really, really good shifts. I'm not so sure Tielemann's that kind of guy. And so Lester's looking at, at, at dead money almost, and we know that. And I think we honestly are going to try to get him for 15 or $20 million, and if they don't drop the price to that, then they'll just wait and get him for free. I still think it's going to happen. I think it's odds-on that it's going to happen, but, but I just – Honestly, I think they're just waiting until the price gets to the point where they almost can't say no. Yeah, I I think that's right. And it's nice for us to be on that end of a negotiation for once where it feels like, like you said, we're in the position of power. And I'm a fan of Tielemans. I'd like to see him come in. Um, As Owen said, you want to eliminate that big drop off from your starting 11 to second team. And that's what I think he does. He's not somebody, and I've seen some people out there say, well, once they get Tielemans to upgrade on Xhaka, the team's really going to hit the ground running. In my eyes, in terms of level of player, while they're not the same type, they're of a similar level. I think people are overstating, you know, his ability if they think he's going to come in and displace Xhaka 
right away and take over that starting spot. Me personally, I don't see that being the case. Andy, are you a Tielemans guy? Is he somebody you want to see come in? And how do you think he fits if we do make a move late in the window for him? It's hard to see any player outside of the club just walking in and taking, you know, Jacques's position. I just, I think that, you know, he's embedded in there and he's playing well. I like Tillemans. I think he's a great player. I'm all for taking players who are Premier League ready. I want players who know the league, can keep up in the league. He's one of the best central midfielders of the last six or seven years in the league. Um, he's kind of fits in that mold of, uh, of Odegaard, right? Where he was a young kid with this massive, like, weight of the world on his shoulders that he was going to be this massive player and then kind of just died off. And I, I, you know, I think he would fit in well, but I, I, I think Mike just said it. Um, I do think that the bid will come in. We'll probably just wait until the last week or last couple hours and they'll have to say yes to whatever we, we send over. Yeah. It's called the reverse arsenal situation where we, uh, where, where we actually screw another team over, but which is great, right? <laughs> I want to, I want to point something out, which is great, by the way, um, 84 people live watching right now. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that's a pretty high number for our podcast. It seems to be growing re- gradually and we just want, I want to, hey, you're welcome. I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to first there's acknowledge there's the fact that, that, you know, no, no coincidence. Andy's done the last few podcasts, and he's he's brought the whole state of local Colorado. hero, local hero. But uh, local hero Andy, who saves lives, you know, every saves single podcast. day, saves um, lives and saves podcasts. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and and I do see a lot of new names in the chat, and a lot of, of course, returning people. So, uh, just want to you know let everybody know this is uh, this is as as Sophia said, one of the more serious. Gooners podcast that we've had, but uh, m- maybe we got to stick to this formula. I don't know. Um, but because we do have almost 100 people in chat, please hit the like button. Please subscribe. Uh, hit the bell uh, so that you'll get notified when we're doing podcasts. And if you are in the London area or anywhere nearby on Nova- on uh, September 2nd, please go to gvclive.com. We are uh, really trying to get some, some tickets told to what will be a really, really fun event. Um, we're going to have a panel, do a live podcast. It's going to be broadcast around the world. Um, we're going to have Sophie, Tom Canton, FK. I'll be uh, kind of directing traffic. Uh, we'll have one or two more people on that pod on the panel that I can't announce yet. Uh, Ruth Beck will be there with her art, and there's going to be a very special. I'm, I'm going to talk about this in more depth later, but there's going to be a very special, unique Ruth Beck art piece that is that you're not going to want to not have in your collection it's not going to be available uh in the traditional sense so you're going to want to you want to you're going to want to grab it and we'll we'll be talking about that more in the in the next week or two but it's it's just a little over two weeks away it's the night after the uh, transfer window closes two days before we go up to manchester to play united so it's the perfect time to have fun ridley road social club in hackney e8 friday night Starting at 6.30, uh, podcast should start around 8, and we'll be uh, having drinks and enjoying each other's company after that. So just go to gvclive.com. It's scrolling on the bottom of the screen right now, and uh, your your ticket cost is a donation and a raffle ticket to win some great prizes. So, um, so yeah, and, um, and because there was a lot of discussion in the chat about the A-team, and who would be which which member of the A team? Andy, do you remember this from uh, 
way back in season two. Oh yeah. Back when it was just the two of us and we would have, we would fill our panel with one or two, uh, you know, randos as we like to call them. And, uh, and, and here's all Lee judges and the two of us. So, if you're wondering, you know, we really launched their careers. Uh, more Lee judges than Ola, you know. Yeah. I mean, Lee yeah, has not famous from, He got famous from uh, from his guest appearances on our podcast. I think yeah, he he hasn't once thanked us. I know Ola's doing his thing with the UFC content, and uh, but you know he thanks he thanks us all the time. But judges, not one. No, fucking... yeah, judges just kind of got too big for us, and now uh, you know that's it. So yeah, um, and I don't think I've ever seen a more seamless face into a Photoshop than andy into that picture mm-hmm. oh i mean it's pretty remarkable how cool well, we started with just, he we started with role. a picture of andy wearing that and then we and then <laughs> and then sebi put in the remainder of the things you know yeah and, yeah that's just my that's my uh and of course know, andy's I, playing pocket pool it's after 5 p.m <laughs> if you're not wearing that <laughs> you know that's how that's how I see Mike driving around Florida and his fucking new Mustang. Hey, Mike, is it like a hard top or did you get a convertible? Oh no, he's got a picture just <laughs> at the ready. At the ready. <laughs> there wasn't even like a moment of hesitation. Boom. Call me, baby. Oh yeah, it's uh it, it's a it's a hard top. You uh, these photos? My stepfather, actually. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I just I, I hired I hired a crew. I hired a photo team to take pictures. Of how um, how much must he be regretting letting you marry his daughter? This fucking large <laughs> football fanatic dude in a midlife crisis car. Who, uh, my, who, my father-in-law? Yeah. Well, he loves me because, I'm you know, I, I have the one thing that I needed to have. Well, the two things. A penis? <laughs> he only needed me to have that twice. Um, <laughs> but uh, Back no. to you, Jared. All right. Speaking of things that have gone completely <laughs> off the rails. Jared. Yeah. Speaking of I that, let's, let's... I saw 85 people in there. Of course, now it's down to 75. All right. Let's see how low we can get it. <laughs> oh. If, if the past has taught us anything, we can go as low as we'd like to go. But uh, speaking of off the rails, Manchester United over the weekend got absolutely destroyed at Brentford. It, it was glorious. We we all, I'm sure, I know we passed around the WhatsApp group the tweet of someone asking, "Hey, what time does Manchester United kick off at Brentford?" And someone responded or said, "Every that five minutes." Ken. That was oh, our, Ken. Okay, that was that was our buddy Red Ken uh, that put that out there. And I mean, that guy has a gift with 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 going viral. I'll tell you, awesome I mean, guy. Too. He is hilarious to hang out with. It's a great tweet, and I love the sort of instant karmic irony of, you know, one year ago, basically today. We sat no points after three games, sat 20th in the league, and United fans just absolutely relentless after Arsenal players, the fans, people on social media. Now here we there's are. That there. from, there's that tweet from Trey UTD. Like, 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 oh, yeah. That... He's one of the bigger United uh, accounts, and there's a tweet from him at like exactly a year ago, like, like two or three games in, no goals. This team is finished. <laughs> <laughs> and And I love that he talks about how we have shit ownership and a shit manager. Um, I'm sorry that shit manager. They, they signed 10 hog. They, they got one out of 10 hog is absolute garbage. Who's done nothing for them. And you got to think, you know, there are no points after two games and they've got Liverpool coming up this weekend. They're literally going to be in the same spot. We were, do you think they have any chance to turn it around? No, I mean, we, we made it back at least into Europe 
being sat 20th after three weeks. Do you think looking at that squad and their situation right now, there's any chance they can get that done? No, because there, there's players that they're actively trying to get in the window who are turning them down, who are openly coming out and saying, like, I don't want to go there. They're where we were eight years ago. I mean, they are they, like, if you're a United fan. Eight years ago, we were winning the FA Cup. Well, you know, if you're a United fan, you're, you're screaming at your board to say, look what Arsenal have done. And like, you know, we all have hindsight. There were so many people calling for Arteta's head. And I know we're only two matches into the season, but we have such an optimistic viewpoint of this season. And we're just so positive. And we're finally seeing a team that's Arteta's. And we're seeing all of these little signings come in and you're like, Oh, I can see where he's plugging the the puzzle here. Um, and the reason I don't think there's hope for United is because, you know, Ed Woodward's run them into the ground by buying players off of their brand and not off of their ability to play football. And that has, has caught up with them coupled with the fact that you've got one of the world's greatest to ever put on a pair of football boots. Who's like, fuck it. I don't want to be here anymore. And that's got to be, awful for your your dressing room um i was listening what happened to us is that they don't let him go like like i just yeah. watched, mm-hmm. that, like we'll probably talk about that at the live show for like 20 minutes like, like i'm just praying the night before that he isn't sold yeah and he blows up this season but like i was listening to the match on sirius xm and i think they were having the talk sport play-by-play and it was like you know they were down four nil but it was legitimately like the commentators, like the ball just got kicked to Fernandez and he just like looked at it and it rolled past him. And then he's like, they've just given up. And I was like, we never got that bad. We, I don't remember players doing that. The players still kind of fought, even if it was just for show. And it's just, it's a cluster up there and I'm loving it, you know, cause they're where we were and, and they made fun of us. But, you know, I look at this season and I'm like, you know, I'm the only team that, teams that i fear are are city and liverpool i think we could rock everyone else like chelsea don't look great they're gonna get better tottenham Mm -hmm. they're tottenham right i mean they'll end up doing something you know but holy shit this 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 dumpster fire that's united is is fun it's so much it's pretty great and it it does feel familiar that they have all these sort of overpaid you know well-known players that are absolutely underperforming the part that I found interesting was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going around social media in the last day or two that Bruno Fernandez, Harry Maguire, and Ronaldo were in touch with the front office demanding that they improve the level uh, of the squad. And when I see that, my response, if I'm the team, I'm going to say, fellas, look inward. Like, yeah, you're the reason. You're all on like 400 grand a week doing absolutely nothing. And you mentioned specifically Bruno Fernandez. You know, I did. We did a pod, uh, Mike Hers and I. This is months ago now, but I said my biggest issue with him is that if you put him in a good team that's flying and moving forward, he he looks world class. He's an exceptional passer of the ball, and when you've got positive momentum, he's a great player. But and it's a big but. He he's a finger pointer. When things go wrong, he just stands there and points out everyone else's deficiencies, and he's basically I want to choose the word carefully a useless player on a bad team. He, he does mm-hmm. nothing. He's a total passenger, and to have him sit there and point out the deficiencies of other players to me is just absolutely laughable, but you have to enjoy it. Owen, did you get a chance to catch the the Brentford game at all on the yeah, weekend? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And look, I, I think I've stated a few times that um, 
maybe strangely for an Arsenal fan, I hate United more than I hate Spurs. It's just the mm-hmm. era that I grew up in and maybe the fact that I didn't live locally to Islington mm-hmm. or North London or I didn't really have that rivalry. So I, I despise United and to be honest with you, I absolutely love the fact that they're going through this turmoil and I actually think that it's probably worse than anything that we have ever went through um, in terms of you know the business standpoint of, of where they are as a business. The fact that players like Marco and Idovich are are seemingly rejecting them that Rabio has seemingly rejected them you know these are players that are cast offs that nobody really wants but what 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 I sort of want to touch on is the media and the united fan base and some of the more neutral fans of the premier league as well is the approach that they're taking to this situation you know Gary Neville going on naming um, Edward Ward at the time and calling out the Glazers while only 10-15 years ago he was stuffing his pockets full of their money and so was his brother and not only is he calling names he conveniently left out one of his good mates Darren Fletcher who has seemingly fucked up a lot of stuff in that club as well so he's picking and choosing the people that he's targeting Yeah. now what, what I would go to is we talk about the Glazers making all these bad decisions and lack of spend and the wrong spending and taking dividends and this and that Hold on a second. If we look back as far as... Okay, forget about David Moyes era. That was a fucking idiotic decision that was pushed by Alex Ferguson, the club's most pivotal figure in their history. Pushed that, and the club respectively accepted. They moved them on. Louis van Gaal came in, who was a highly sought-after manager at that time. You know, performed brilliantly on the international level. They took in players like ba- uh, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger came in, who was world-class at that time. You know, then they went on and they took on players like Radamel Falcao, world class at the time. I remember we were linked with him heavily in that transfer window. We got Danny Welbeck and they got Falcao and everybody freaked the fuck out. Now you look at more modern times, Jose Mourinho coming in, proven Premier League winner. Uh, Ralph Raniak, people were saying, oh, he's a master. People wanted Ralph Raniak at Arsenal, you know. And then you look at players like Harry Maguire. City wanted Harry Maguire. United were stoked at this. And Bruno Fernandes, fantastic. Jadon Sancho. All this talk about how mismanaged that club is from the Glazers, I just don't see it. I think it's a very, very easy fucking excuse to throw daggers at absent owners. And the truth is that we know 100% that some of these American billionaires that buy clubs are just absent. That's the way they run their businesses. So for me to remove all blame from footballers, trust me, I play you know, Saturday League football um, basically all my life you don't need a manager to tell you exactly what to do you're experienced enough to reorganize to have a bit of balls and turn the fucking game around on the pitch on your own let me let me throw let me let me throw you a curveball there though because I, I i agree that i and and it's not to disagree with you it's just there's a point at which a team that is so rich because of their revenues and can pay big money to people when they do it so much that they almost become a place that players are going to go to get paid rather than to win because, you know, they, they hadn't had that winning pedigree that they had in the, in the, in the mid nineties and the late nineties and the early two thousands yet they had so much money. They, they just kept throwing it at people. They kept throwing it at flashy names. Oh, we'll, we'll pay those massive wages for Ebra. You know, even though he came in and did a good job, we'll throw those massive wages at, at Pogba, even though we, let him go for free the first time. Yeah, but, but Mike, the, pro- the, prob- the problem with those business moves, and this is where I'm critical of the United fan base and the, and the media, 
is that, yes, I agree with you, all those decisions are ridiculously stupid to throw money at the players, but when the fan base and the media, United Media, United Pundits, ex-players, whatever, are applauding those stupid mistakes every time the Glazers make those mistakes, when they're turning around, oh, great, we got Ronaldo, City didn't get fucking Ronaldo, thank fuck for that. You know, oh, we got Ten Hag, yes, thank fuck, oh, finally, we got Jadon Sancho. When you applaud it, you can't blame the owners for giving the fans what they want and seemingly no, are happy no, no, to receive. I, no, this is my po- this is my point. I, I'm I'm saying it's not necessarily just that the players aren't playing well enough and need to look at themselves. It's not just that the owners. I'm I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, in the middle of that, the the the, the portion that connects the players to the ownership and the decisions that are being made on recruitment, they have completely gone with the anti process. They've gone with shirt sales essentially. And 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 candy for their for their for their uh, you know for their supporters, and completely forgot what it was what, what it was like when they used to just have to constantly change one piece out one piece there because they went from you know from Keen to you know to gigs to to, to the redhead dude uh, schools. <laughs> I mean. They, they, you know, they had generations of players where they were able to reload, and 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 there was kind of this constant jigsaw between the you know the last team and the next team. All of a sudden, you know, shortly after Alex Ferguson left, they became a team that didn't have much of a winning mentality at all. They didn't have players who could win, yet they were still going after that one extra piece, that two extra pieces. And it went on seven, eight years now where they have not realized that they need to blow it up and start all over again. And they've made it even tougher for themselves to blow it up and start all I think, over again. I think yeah. you can fault the ownership group very similar to the Cronkies when Wenger and Gazidis. The wrong people in charge. They had the wrong people and they entrusted that in the wrong people. Whereas now I think Josh embedded himself probably a little bit more into the football culture where you, you have to become somewhat of a fan. So when you hear of like – Hey, we're gonna go out and sign Gabriel Jesus. It's not who is that. It's like, oh shit! Like, is that a possibility? Right? Where it's, you know, and I think at United, the Glazers, probably much to their detriment, were like, go buy the players who sell certs because that makes us money. And then, and I agree with both of what you're saying, but then you're in this like really kind of muddy spot where it's like, well, you've got to have cohesion in the team. Like, you just can't go. Like we saw it in Real Madrid. They did it years ago, and they quickly realized. That doesn't work. You can't go out and sign 11 superstars. You can sign maybe two, but you can't have 11, right? And they quickly turn the, the switch there. But I'm just loving seeing this fan base who have been so entitled for fucking ever. And we were there. We were there for a long time, and it hit us first. But football, like everything else, is cyclical, right? And United sat on the – like Liverpool sat on the top a lot. When Mike was a child, we all weren't born yet. And then we Something sat. I'm not allowed to mention anymore in order to keep. Yeah, I did sat on the top, and now we're starting to see like, hey, Chelsea's starting to rumble a little bit, you know. So it's it's really exciting, and and you know what? I hope they keep this team intact. I hope that players don't go there. You but know who I do hope goes there though, Jared would be um, Frankie Dion because I picked him up in a fantasy league, and it's uh, here it's we one go of where you can only pick up one pl- player. And I drafted him with him not being there, being like, okay, maybe he'll go there. I'm also you hoping made, that made an investment. I also hope that Aubameyang goes to Chelsea because <laughs> that's also another one that I made. I love this question from Patrick Carlson. Mike, do you still want the butcher? 
No, I'm good. The butcher <laughs> can't even. Like, I'm, I'm all set. Thank you. If you're the butcher, you're sitting there being like, "Am I not good enough to displace Harry Maguire?" But see, this is the problem, all right? And this is where butcher apparently fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> no, but you can talk about the ownership and the Glazers and all these decisions and, and, and stuff like that. But what has Ten Hag changed at United so far? You know, he went up there knowing what side he was going to, going up against. Ivan Tony, Ben May coming in. And he started Lataro Martinez at the back, who was a fucking knee-biter to Ben May. You know, when you have Lataro Rafael... Uh, yeah, they buy uh, him too? No. Lissandro. <laughs> Lissandro Martinez, yeah. Shut up, mate. Um, it's <laughs> on the butcher, because then you don't end up doing that. Yeah, uh, but the tactical decisions, you know, leaving Luke Shaw in there when they've got a new left-back, uh, Malasia or whatever his mm-hmm. name is, is seemingly pretty decent as well. So Malakia. <laughs> um, no, I know what Malaka means. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the blame doesn't solely lie on the end. There's still errors being made on the pitch by the coaching staff by the players and yes well it's the responsibility there for the the ownership to oversee who are in those positions United fans weren't complaining when Tan Hag was appointed so you know oh, and do you think um do you think Ten Hag falls into the category that Arteta fell into two years ago where he's taken on a squad he doesn't want the squad but the wage packet's there and now it's going to be impossible to move players on because ultimately who's going to take them right yeah, I, I, and I think also another thing to look at is, whilst I'm, I'm sure he's a very good coach, I'm not sure whether he will have the same amount of freedom or the same amount of sway internally to make those big decisions. You know, we've seen that uh, Mikel Arteta's handling of, of, of Mazzard Ozil and Kalazanac and Mustafi and multiple players. I'm not sure that, that, that um, the United board are going to get behind Ten Hag in the same sort of way. Number one, because they maybe don't have such a long-standing relationship as Mikel Arteta does with Arsenal um, and the same level of respect. So I think that he may struggle to, to get that as well as that. What I look at United as now is they're now reaping the rewards of the, what was originally a football institution, somebody that done the talking on the football pitch. The, the reason they got to be this commercial monstrosity is because of their success on the pitch. But what they've done in recent years is that they've made business decisions before football decisions. So the reason they go and sign Ronaldo is because of shirt sale revenue. The reason that like Paul Pogba's you know shirt sale revenue was massive as well. You know the advertisements that those types of players bring in. But the problem again is a revert back to the fan base is that if they don't go and sign one of these marquee name signings, say for example there they went and signed John McGinn from Aston Villa, the United fan base would have a fucking meltdown. Well, and that's, know, their, and that's their problem because we I, we had to be trained to understand that I think as, yeah. as as a fan base that you know to to remember what George Graham did um, in building a team and not you know the way to get to become a, a top team isn't just simply to buy eleven world class players. Not even Man City did that. Barcelona mm-hmm. does it. Real Madrid does it, but but not even though. I mean, they don't do it all in one in one go. You 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 know so. What? He he mentioned too. Would would the executives give Ten Hag the sort of trust? And what's going to work against him right off is the first big signing they make was Martinez, who's thus far been relatively unimpressive and to the tune of like seventy million. And you know the only thing he's butchering is the local limbo competition. 
I, I saw somebody, one of the Man United fans, say, you know, we've got a guy with Maguire size and we've got a smaller guy with the technical ability of Martinez and, and that. What if, you know, if we could combine them, that'd be great. And I said, yeah, we got two of them. Like, that's how far we are, are ahead of them at the back right now. They have two players in the center with very obvious deficiencies, whereas we have two who kind of are, to some degree, the total package of what you're looking for in a modern center half. The other thing that's kind of stood out to me when you see them just throwing money at the wall, trying to get anybody to sign, Chelsea right now, they got rid of, and I feel bad I forgot her name. Somebody can put it in the chat. A woman who handled their transfers for years. and was David Dean, basically. Phenomenal at it. She was phenomenal. They made some of the best deals and best sells of anybody in the Prem. New ownership comes in. They get rid of her. And now you've just got Todd Bowley himself handling the transfer business. And basically any name he sees mentioned connected to a big club, he's just calling and saying, hey, we'll give you some money. Come here to Chelsea. And I think they're in danger of going down that same path. Now, they have a much better starting squad and a much better manager in place so they can sustain it a little bit. But they but have the, much, much, much lower revenues than than United. Well, that that's they're not going to be able they're not going to be able to sustain the years outside the Champions League that United has been able to sustain because of their revenues. That's the difference between those two. Chelsea might take a few years because if they keep making the Champions League, they're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But once they fall out of the Champions League, oh, it's going to be fun. Hey guys, guys. <clears throat> Chelsea has scheduled new rounds of talks with Pierre. It's happening, boys. What's the price on that? I had heard north of 20 million, 25 30 million. million. 30 million. <laughs> that, that, that's, it's not going to be 30. If it's 30 million, then shame on Chelsea. Well, I mean, shame on Chelsea, but also like, you Barcelona, you need a million. So just take whatever, like, you know. Here's I the mean, thing, like Barcelona's approaching teams <laughs> with hat in hand, you know, holding the cup out, looking for any spare change anybody will give them. So <laughs> yeah. to give them a windfall like that seems completely silly on Chelsea's end. Barcelona I mean, came up to my car and tried to like clean my windshields at a stoplight the other day. Fra- Frankie De Jong with a fucking squidgy. <laughs> <laughs> but see, going back, uh, just back to the United game, that Brentford game, and I know I'm bringing this, but it's because it gained so much fucking pleasure from it. Eric Ten Hag, 4-0 in 36 minutes against Brantford. Why didn't he, like, make a fucking statement? You know, use your five subs to take off some of those superstars that are apparently supposed to be out there winning the game for you. Make a fucking example of it. Uh, I don't know. I just can't see it going well, to be honest with you. We talk about Antonio Conte walking. I think Eric Ten Hag might wipe his hands of that contract and get the fuck out of there as early as he can. Yeah, what do you think that their best possible Premier League? I mean, I, this is ridiculous after two games, especially when you saw what we did last year. But we, we've known and we all said that they are not in the position that we were last year. They're not losing these mm-hmm. games because they've got, you know, multiple COVID people out and and you know, not settled. I, I mean, they may not have their final squad because yeah, you know, ten. I mean, you think six is the top? Look, they're still good players. They still mm-hmm. have a good manager. It's not like they're shitty players. It's not like they've, you know, they're in a Leicester situation where they've lost five or six players. I mean, yeah, but I, I, I think if if we've learned anything over the last couple of years, it's that it's that chemistry and mentality. Oh, hundred percent matters and, more than than in, than the sum of individual skill. To to Owen's point before, 
I would agree with him. If I were him, I would have made a statement. But I would have made a statement two months ago during preseason when Ronaldo mm-hmm. left at halftime. I would have turned around and said, oh, I let him do that. Like I would have controlled that narrative. And if Ronaldo had come out and called you a liar, well, then you have a problem. But he wouldn't do that because we know Ronaldo. He's a professional, and he's not going to ruin his brand. So I would have owned that. I would have went to a PR agency and said, yo, I got to be the one controlling this narrative, and I'm just going to say we let him leave. He had, a, he had a slight injury, a knock. We wanted him to just go home and get rest. He had something on the personal life. You need to get out of here. But own the, own the narrative, right? And, and we saw that with Arteta. We got to see the behind the scenes of that narrative with Aubameyang, but he owned it. And, you know, he owned it in the press. He brought it to the team. And I don't think Ten Hag will wipe his hands a bit. I do wonder, though, is he – I don't think every manager can take on a project like what Arteta took on at Arsenal and now someone has to take on at United and be that person. There are managers in the world, like a Jurgen Klopp can do it. Pep Guardiola can't. Pep's just going to go in and buy players to fix problems. Carlo won't. There is a culture problem there, and I think it takes a, a big a big manager to do that, and I don't think he can. Liverpool were kind of in that, and they got out of it. Now, they were lucky. They had a £100 million signing that they got rid of, and that allowed them to kind of buy a Salah for cheap. Then God knows how that turned out. But ultimately, like I think it takes a special manager, and it'll be interesting. And I wonder if did Ten Hag know this was the project he was walking into? Well, a, ma- a manager with support, which Klopp had. I mean, he, he got a contract extension after finishing eighth. Uh, sound familiar? Um, you know, but uh, I don't know that Ten. I mean, everyone knew Ten Hag was a, was kind of a system manager who did very well at Ajax because of the, Ajax because of the way Ajax is set up, and it seemed incongruous for him to come to United, especially if Ragnick wasn't going to be moving upstairs like like he was supposed to. I mean, that team, that team would have put you know Ragnick kind of coordinating the structure of a team. For, for Ten Hag to coach, that would have put a little bit of fear into me. But Ragnick leaving was kind of a real huge red flag saying, you know what, Ten, Ten Hag's coming into a situation where they're going to be expecting his coaching alone to turn it around, and I don't think that they are going to. I mean, if he came out and said, terminate mm-hmm. Ronaldo's contract, terminate Maguire's contract, um, I, we need to start. We're going to finish 12th this year. We could finish 12th this year. We hope to finish 6th or 7th. We could finish 12th this year, but it's not this year I'm worried about. It's the next two, three years we got to get back in the Champions League. If he went and said that to those who are above him in the pecking order at United, they would laugh at him right now. And that Mm -hmm. is the difference between their ability to recover from this and ours. The reason I don't think he knew what he was walking into was because he didn't bring any of the staff above him at Ajax, and they were very well together. He had a technical director that found some amazing players, right? And if you're Ten Hag and United come to you with like, here's a massive contract, but here's the project at hand, you're probably turning around being like, I need these five pieces with me. You know, you've got your coaching staff, great. But the fact that those other players, those other people stayed at Ajax makes me believe that he thought this was not the project he was walking into. And um, I love Daniel. It's, it's, yeah. I, I, Daniel, I think that the Cronkies started off at Arsenal with the, um, with the idea of that this was a business. And, and I genuinely think, and I'm not going to blow smoke up our own asses, but Mike and I heard from the horse's mouth, I am not going to respond to 
the uh what was what was the um we, we carry that thing mike right as we met josh yeah, the, yeah it was the we care to you thing it was yeah and uh, josh said to us like i don't think i'm gonna respond and i said to him like hey josh like i was born into supporting this club you have to respond i'm not saying that was the pivotal moment but i do think that there was that idea of i, I we just don't know what we're doing and i do think he embedded into the club over the last couple seasons and now they they care you know and Again, they're winning championships everywhere. We talked about this, and they're going to want to win more. And they know there is no bigger prize in global sports. Hey, I've saved a legit saved a kid this week doing CPR. I've legit saved this podcast, and I've legit saved Arsenal. So, welcome, world. Imagine how disappointed when that poor kid thought he was dead and then he woke up and seen your fucking face over the top of him. Yeah, he's like, can I please go back to where I was top five minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> and why were you mounting him? That's CPR, dude. That's what you taught me. <laughs> back to you, Jared. Oh, yeah. My God, where do you go from that? <laughs> User questions. Um, yeah. We got about yeah, twenty yeah. minutes left, so if anybody out can there has say, questions, you want to get in? Can I, can I go back to the United thing for one quick second? Sounds like you already I, are. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just want to say, like, if, if I was the ultimate crummy like motherfucker, and I was just like, because we, because we're obviously gonna just spread cash, right? We've got it. We're gonna buy it. I would be going to United's door, and I'd be like, hey, you know that 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 number? Uh, I think what number ten for him, Rashford. I'd be like, yo, what, what do you want for him? Because I think Rashford on any other team is fucking spectacular. I think that he is he is a little overrated. I agree with you there, Soph. But I do think if you put him on a better team, he'd be a better player. And that's what those fuckers did to us. So I would be going after some of their better players, just knocking on the door, just kind of oh, letting and- the media know. Just letting the media know, like, hey, we're, we're looking. We don't have to necessarily buy, but we're in a position now where it's just like, yo – how, about, how much would you want for him? And I'd let everyone know we were doing it. And I would and I would pay Rashford another like 10 million quid to come out and say that the little boy inside him always wanted to play for Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that that would just be the like the symmetry over. <laughs> now let's just get on with it. Like it He'll would end be... up being like a, a well back junior where he'll score like two or three goals and then do nothing That's else. That's fine. As long as he says that when he transfers, I don't care if he is like the reverse butch like like a worse version of the butcher i don't care it's it's that moment that i that i want that i would personally pay 10 million pounds for um so yeah so if you've got a user question put it in the chat starting with q i'm gonna go way back to the beginning who do you think does the best elvis impression in the arsenal squad i think i think that uh i think there's a guaranteed answer to this but i'm gonna save it for last in case someone else takes it jared I mean, I feel like most of them are so young, they probably barely know who he is. Mikel Arteta's got the same hair. So if you had to dress him up, maybe as young Elvis, I could see that flying. Okay. Owen? Are you muted? Um, I said there was a joke in there, but... It's a bit risky. I'll not, I'll not do that. Um, <laughs> he edited himself on accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, something tells me that Granit Xhaka, see, he's a bit of a boring cunt like me. So I'd say that he's maybe into his Elvis. So yeah. okay, Granit Xhaka. 
Andy? I was going to say the same, Jaka. I, I think it's I think it's Rob Holding. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, uh, I, I think he would be he would know all about Elvis because I mean he's essentially American, so he would know all about El- I mean maybe Matt Turner uh, now, but I would I would go with Rob Holding. Um, but I hope never to see one of those behind the scenes videos of them talking about Elvis because you know as I mentioned at the beginning of the show Elvis can go fuck himself. Um, another one from Daniel uh, is Jacques worth tr- fuck you. Who is more of a disappointment, the butcher or Elvis? I'm going with the butcher, shockingly. The butcher, that's got to be unanimous. Uh, I mean, it depends. If the butcher dies on the on the loo, then uh, then then I'll say him. But our invincible trophy is gold. What material will our Premier League trophy be made of when we take all 114 points a season? I'm telling you, I think it's a possibility. It'll be made of other teams' tears. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna just diamond dust and tears. Gary, I just slept on your good on your comment. Uh, Gary Navel scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> Little fucking tea bag looking prick. Oh, I don't know what material would it be. I mean, it would have to be. Uh... We'll put up a periodic table. Let's. <laughs> No, we just have, it would just have to be just a, like a ton of perineums just sewed together. Yeah, there's so many new people listening to this, and they're just like, "Why are these people?" <laughs> no, there are there are. Uh, this is this is keeping people. Uh, you know, where have we been all of their lives? And this is based on players we've kind of hated. Houses on fire, three rooms. Ozil, mm. Mustafi, Gallus. Who are you saving? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Mm. My duty, Soph, to save everyone that I come across drowning in a swimming pool. So I'll have to say no one. I think there's one obvious answer. You're not that... saving any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just seems like a fun guy. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Not for footballing reasons, but necessarily, but... Uh, just for entertainment, you, you saved Mustafi and you just. I will say, my dad met Mustafi in London, and I, uh, I'll tell the story quick. He went over and said, like, said something to him, and they had a brief conversation. Then Mustafi said, uh, Well, who do you support? And my dad was like, West Ham. And then Mustafi shook his hand and went, Oh, I met the one West Ham fan. And then just walked away. And I was like, <laughs> This was like, like a week or two before he left Arsenal. And I was like, Hell yeah, that's a but I, I laugh at the nerve of the nerve of William Gallas, who was on our good friend Tom Canton, uh, did an interview with, and he was talking about the standards of Arsenal. It's like, mate, you sat down in the pitch and threw a fucking strap, you little prick. Get fucked. Yeah, that, that was. I, I mean, Tom came off fine. William yeah. Gallas came off awful. I mean, that, <laughs> what, a, what a douche. So, I mean, let's 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 argue that you took the number ten shirt. What? I mean, you're already a big enough douche when you take the number shirt that you took. Well, yeah. I mean, wh- however that ended up happening, yeah, I mean, you can blame Because he asked for it. Wenger uh, didn't have to give it to him. I mean, th- that made no sense right after Burkamp, right? I mean, like, like that was ridiculous, but the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> In terms of the significance of the arguments and debates on the show tonight, this is probably... <laughs> <laughs> I would save Elvis if it was between Elvis and Gallus. 
Mike is like Mike slowly and forget all three of them. Mike slowly has like become the biggest Elvis fan (laughs) on the podcast. Because now it's the the butcher and and the candlestick maker and all these all these people. Guys, how much should we? We should start a GoFundMe page to get Jake to just like because Mike got a new car, so we all know he's got the new Sirius XM package for at least three months. Put every station is the Elvis one on there and just whatever Mike's looking to change the channel. I'm coming to the yeah. States on my honeymoon as I mentioned so that that's the thing that I'm going to arrange with with Mike to do on my honeymoon with me is go to Graceland. Wait, wait, where are you going in the States for honeymoon? I don't know but I'm pretty sure that 79 people aren't going to want to hear where <laughs> they're still with us an hour in i mean they're clearly they have nothing else to do uh, they started actually broadcasting podcasts in prison and that's why there's 79 people with us she's in the house asking given the performance on sunday do you think spurs will finish above us given their performance on sunday no i mean that good the performance is in order i think chelsea was best the referees were second best and Tottenham were third best, but the combination of the latter two, unfortunately, were enough to get a, it's, get a point it's on nice the board. That, it's nice that Kane nicked that late winner, though. Have you seen his... Uh, his... It's great for my fantasy. Dumbass. I knew somebody was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that picture of him and Sokka in that looks like a commercial? Have you guys seen that? Who? I have not. It's like it's uh, Kane and Sokka sitting down in the living room with a woman in between them, and they're both like laughing. But it's it, someone took a picture of like the camera, like filming them, and it, it's got to be like a primarily commercial or maybe a local I don't business. I ever want to see a picture of Kane and Sokka on a couch together. The only I person would, I would rather, not, I would least rather see on a couch sitting next to somebody is William Saliba. I would only allow this to happen. <laughs> I would be okay with Sokka and sitting on a couch together if there was a World Cup trophy in the middle of them. <laughs> that's, that's like that's my. I could, I could buy into that one. I, I can reluctantly one. buy into that one with you. Yeah. With you, Andy. Yeah, there's there's only six months until or four, three months until our next uh, coming home bet. Uh, oh. so, so prepare to be tattooed. And for this me, isn't I'm, a rolling thing, is it? Waste money on a t-shirt that's never going to arrive. <laughs> yeah. Oh god! All right, any more questions? We have. Uh, does anyone notice Andy looks like a young? Peter? I've been getting this, Danny, from my family for years. It's more Stevie Nickel for me, but who? Stevie Nichols. Stevie ask, oh. ask self. self. Self spends a lot of time uh, looking at Stevie Nichols. I've gotten. Um, I get. Um, who's the golfer? Uh... Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Don't just start naming golfers off though. And then Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, <laughs> Tiger Woods. That's the one. I get. I look like him a lot. No. Uh, who's the guy who just like disgraced? Uh, went to bed with the Saudis. Oh, There's um, a lot of them. Mickelson? Mickelson. Mickelson. I don't see that. Nah, you look like Buzz Lightyear had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to end it there. I think, <laughs> you look like Buzz. Who thinks of that? All right. Um, guys, you know, I, I we will say we've got some exciting news coming up um, about the podcast. Um, oh, it yeah. doesn't involve. Don't, don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But there's some fun stuff 
on the horizon? Let's just say uh, six is a number that I like, and, and we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna say anything else. So, um, you figure it out. Do you, do you think, from Lynn Simpson, do you think that the ref should be dropped down to the championship teams after Sunday to at least make an example of the incompetence? Yeah, if anybody was actually overseeing it and saw it the same way that the rest of the world does, then, I mean, that does actually happen, doesn't it? Didn't Mike Dean have to, like, like have to referee a game in, in, in the championship one week? Because I mean, was- it- it doesn't happen as often as it should. That was an absolute joke of a decision on the hair pull. I mean, the North London Derby, our first set piece, I went all 10 outfield players to yank down the guy next to him by the hair and say, what are you talking about? It's not a foul. You already told us it's not. And just see how it gets officiated. Yeah. Like, 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 should we be looking at the, at the like the lineup for Bournemouth to see if there's any hair people uh, <laughs> on their team? Like, like six, six. Um, six. I don't understand the six thing. Oh, I just got Are it. Are you serious? No, yeah. I just how, how do you not understand what I'm talking about? There is not enough like we cannot carry Com- Tom Canton's failure on this pod, okay? Mm-hmm. He's I mean, you know, he, he, he he could add somewhere between 3 and and 4,000 additional people to our to our viewer, viewership each live show, but could we can we go back? What like how early into our Gooners Pod career do we have? Can we get the soundbite of Tom being like, "What'd you guys say? I'm playing FIFA." Oh, that's. <laughs> I mean, everything everything happened for us in season two. Season one, we had like the couple big uh, big names. Actually, Arsblog came on in the first season. Season two is when we started regularly podcasting with like the 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 podcast Illuminati of uh, of judges and and. Uh, and and Canton and all of the, you know the the twenty one year old Tom Canton at the time, um, but uh, yeah I, we've got to we've got to go back and like what we should do is start going back and doing live watch like like because we didn't do video back then so we'll go and we'll all sit here and we'll just listen to the podcast and just and just fake like the a mystery theater three thousand or whatever it was called yeah, yeah we'll be kind of in the corner and then we'll be or we could have Jacob uh, poorly drawn Arsenal we could ask him to. <laughs> to illustrate, to like animate our <laughs> podcasts that we did um, before we were on YouTube. All right, let's close out with this question. I'm being asked uh, out of the panel of you three who had shag, marry, and avoid. I'm going to shag Owen. I think he's going to be a generous lover. Um, soft hands. He's soft hands. He's punching. I, I know exactly. Well above. He's J- no. Well, okay. Then where do you think it's going? I mean, Jared's clearly marryable. No, I'm gonna marry the guy with money, and you just fucking bought uh, a house. You bought you know, a Mustang. Jared's gone half the time anyway, so you could avoid you could avoid him pretty easily. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. Plus, there was like a week in my life where I was essentially married to Mike, and it wasn't all that bad, except he kept videotaping every fucking thing we did, and now that's come back to haunt me on fucking every new like. You know, text message chain of it. I, I woke you up sweetly and caringly with a, <laughs> um, with a, and then with Jared, a hotel key on your feet. I, yeah, you did tickle me awake by tickling my feet. Then unfortunately, <laughs> Jared, I, I have to avoid you because that's the only other option. Fair enough. <laughs> but, you know, come at me with what, you know, the boudoir would look like for you and maybe I'll change my answer. I don't know. <laughs> you know? 
I can't think of anything I want to happen less than what you just said. <laughs> right. I can think of something, and it's the new outro that I've created for the Gooders podcast, which which will be debuted right now. So uh, please do go to gvclive.com. We want to see you on September 2nd in London, in Hackney, at the Ridley Road Social Club for a fun, fun night with lots of winning. And... Are we going to do a show? Or, or, uh, or, no, we're not going to be doing a show. Let's partner with Highbury Squad and some other pods. We'll get a game night going. It could be a mm-hmm. charity thing for Gooners versus Cancer. Three or four hours of just rotating other pods through playing some silly and fun games like we did before with the newlywed game. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Great it idea. Takes five days for me to create, but, uh, but it was fun. Um, so Thursday I dropped Jake off at school. I'm going to be depressed for a long time. I'm going to need uh, a pick me up. Uh, probably, you should listen to some What? Yeah, I'll listen, I'll listen to Elvis the whole way back and, and cry. And, and uh, I can't. So, I just can't. I wish I was that person driving next to Mike in his Mustang with the top down, just seeing him cry aggressively. <laughs> Like at a red light. The person, the person behind it will be like you know. Sometimes you put your windshield wiper cleaners on, and then and the water goes over to the car behind you, but it'll just be my tears. So uh, they're like, see. "Wait, is that man wearing a diaper?" So I won't. There won't be a post game open mic unless these guys somehow decide to run it. Um, and uh, but I'll see you on the um, on the Sunday roast, and then we'll be back next week with a great show, and then I'm headed over. So. Thanks for joining us, all 80-some strong of you tonight. Please hit the like button, subscribe, and um, for some reason, come back next week. And this has been the Gooners Pod. Come on, you Gooners. You've been watching the Gooners Podcast, a production of TGP Media, a wholly on subsidiary of Wanker Broadcasting Company Limited PLC. All rights and likenesses, except for Owens, are available for purchase and distribution according to the historical tenets of bird law. Make sure to check out the Gooners Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TGP. Find Gooners v. Cancer at GoonersVCancer.com and remember to get them credit cards out. The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, taught them get better everywhere they go. TGP 